are back. Motorcycles on circuit here in Spain for the first time in 18 weeks. It's a familiar story though, at the top of the timesheets here after this day of testing, Maverick Vinales and Fabio Quattararo make it a Yamaha 1-2. And not only the weather is hot here in Jerez, the times are too. The top 12 covered by just one second. Well, a very warm welcome to you from Jerez here in Andalusia in Spain. I'm Steve Day, joined here uh, by Matt Burt. We'll be crossing over to Simon Crafar, who's going to be interviewing the riders. 18 weeks since we joined you last in Qatar. And what a time it has been since. Of course, COVID-19 has had a serious impact on so many around the world. And before we even get going in today's show, we must, of course, just say that our hearts go out to all of those who have been impacted by this and have lost, uh, lost loved ones. Um, we're hoping that with motorcycle racing action back, that we can at least bring you some more joy. Uh, Matt, it, it has been just the most peculiar, unprecedented times it has impacted everybody. I don't think anybody has ever experienced anything like it, but I have to say, it is good to be back. It's absolutely awesome to be back, mate. I mean, this morning I woke up in the hotel. It was like, I felt like an eight-year-old on Christmas morning. Absolutely fantastic. 245 days almost since we had MotoGP action in Valencia last November. But here we are in the glorious sunshine in Jerez. It's a very unique, a very different MotoGP World Championship in Prospect, but it was absolutely awesome. When those bikes rolled out of pit lane at 10 o'clock this morning for the start of this special test, both of us went to the window in the press room and it was just like music to our ears, yeah, mate, wasn't it? It was. It was I, mean, I must admit, I mean, I, I don't know whether I've got a bit soft during <laughs> lockdown, but I actually felt quite emotional hearing motorcycles roar for the first time, seeing those guys back out on circuit. I've missed the noise so much and I I have to say, I've even missed you, boys. Do you know what? I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> you know, four months without you on the road, mate, it's been, uh, it's been dull at times. But yeah, it is absolutely fantastic to be back. And we hope this shortened season, of course, what 20 races we expect to have mm. this year, Steve. Shortened down to 13 rounds, European-based exclusively. But those 13 races are going to hopefully deliver some absolute fireworks and some great racing for the fans at home. Well, as Matt just rightly mentioned, this is a, a very new look to MotoGP. Of course, there are some serious protocols in place. You can see me and Matt here are sported <laughs> up. We've got our masks on. We look like stormtroopers. Um, but this is the way it's going to be for the rest of this season. And as you say, it's going to be mighty, mighty busy. It's a grueling prospect for the MotoGP World Championship. There's a few people during lockdown, Matt, that were saying maybe there'd be an asterisk next to the World Championship of 2020 based on the fact that there are only 13 races uh, in the World Championship. But my, my, if you win this World Championship 13 in what the space of 18 weeks, you deserve it. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a survival of the mentally and physically strongest, Steve. 13 races in 18 weekends, as you just mentioned. There is no margin for error. You can't afford to make a mistake. You drop 25 points, and that's going to really hurt you in a shortened season. And, of course, when there are so many back-to-back -back races, you cannot afford to get injured because there is just no time to recover whatsoever. So staying fit and healthy is going to be absolutely crucial between now and middle of November when we get to Valencia. Well, let's see if we can cross over, uh, catch our Kiwi friend, Simon Crafar now, because he's got quite a few interviews uh, to be lined up over the space of, what, the next hour and 15, hour and a half, perhaps. Uh, Simon, it is good to see you. Uh, so good to see you at, 
at the hotel yesterday. Good to see you here in the paddock as well. But this has been the most peculiar time for all of us, not just us, but the riders in particular, to get back to this. It did not take them long, though, to get up to speed. No, not at all. Um, Mark was impressive, you know, like four laps in and he went boing when other guys had done, I think, 10 at the time. Um, I think, you know, looking at the, uh, the times, you said, uh, just like Qatar, Yamaha are looking really strong, or, you know, at least three, four of them real strong. Um, Suzuki as well, strong, really good this afternoon as well. Uh, I think the real change is Mark's confidence back. I think, I, I spoke to him earlier, he's sounding dangerous, you know, because the shoulder's recovered, uh, they've found a direction with the bike again. Uh, yeah, scary stuff from Mark. And also Jack uh, continuing his form. He was really fast, you know, just like in Qatar, really fast this morning. Had a few hiccups uh, this afternoon in the heat. Um, the team said uh, traction control settings, but, you know, I, I think it's the usual suspects, you know. Yeah, Simon, Matt here. Great to see you back in uh, pit lane earlier on today, buddy. Um, Yamaha top two and also two Suzukis inside the top five as well. Mir and Rins looking particularly strong. Yamaha and Suzuki looked like they were really, really on for the start of the season back in March, and it doesn't look like much has changed. It, it looks like uh, looks like at the moment that Yamaha and Suzuki are going to be the favourites with Mark Wright in there. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm just getting told to put my mask back on, guys. <laughs> um, anyway, um, I totally agree. Like Suzuki, I think Suzuki and Yamaha did the best job uh, off-season, you know, testing, because they came back so strong and ready for the season. I think they lost a bit of an advantage they could have had by, um, especially over Mark at the first race. But, um, yeah, in general, I don't think... I mean, th they could have lost, have an advantage over Mark because Honda were a little bit lost, you know, at that last test. Only found in the last hour what the problem was. And um, Suzuki and Yamaha were ready to race, and I think Jack was as well. So... Yeah, it's a shame that Suzuki and Yamaha lost that little advantage. I think it's going to be a more even playing field here. As we know, Simon, some of the specifications have been frozen for this 2020 season, and Ducati were in a spot of bother with this new Michelin tyre just before lockdown when we concluded the winter testing. But it looks like they have made some chassis tweaks here this afternoon. Do you know any more about that? Yeah, so I went to talk to Davida Tardozzi this morning, and he said the plan was let the guys ride this morning and get up to speed, and this afternoon um, they will have a go at... The settings they've kind of, with the engineers, worked out to try to try and get the most out of that new high grip Michelin rear, which is what they were struggling to do in Qatar and uh, in Malaysia. So um, I'm waiting to hear an interview, Dovi, and that's going to be one of my questions. Did they try those settings? Did they work? And, you know, I've got to say, Dovi had a pretty impressive day considering he's, you know, just had a surgery. And, uh, yeah, but he took it really easy in the first session. Second session, he was out there regularly pushing up the top. It was only right at the end he dropped down to the mid-pack, so impressive day. And you know what, guys? When you have an injury like that, and he, he's rocked up to this track knowing that the bone's still growing together, you don't put 100% in on a test day. So, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Simon, you just talked about Michelin there, and thankfully, uh, Michelin trucks are providing myself and Steve with some much-needed shade right now. You've been in pit lane all day where it's been absolutely roasting hot. We're here in Andalusia in July. Of course, we normally come here in early May. I mean, temperatures have been close to 
40 degrees ambient temperature. In terms of Michelin's challenge this weekend, because they've never experienced anything like this. I mean, these are conditions that we normally get in Sepang and in Buriram. How much is that going to be a factor? And how much will the riders that favour low grip conditions like Mark perhaps have a small advantage this weekend? Because tyres are going to be crucial in these kind of excruciatingly hot temperatures, aren't they? Yes. Um, for starters, the, this temperature is brutal on everything. And, you know, to ride in it, um, I, I saw the riders' faces when they came back into boxes today. Uh, in all classes, people were really struggling. Um, you could see the super fit guys. Um, because they were struggling less, but it, it's literally brutal conditions, you know, they're cooking. And I, um, I've got to say about tyres, Michelin, um, they can choose the rubber window, like I was saying earlier on Facebook Live, they can choose the rubber window that works, but there's no getting away from it. When it's 55 degree track temperature, there's not enough grip. And like you said, it's going to favour guys that can adapt um, you know to the conditions you know and you, Mark is a, a star at that uh, I've got to say one other thing though is Maverick said his bike was working very good in those low grip temperatures so a low grip conditions so yeah he could be dangerous too Simon, thanks as ever for your comments. We're going to catch up with you again a little bit later on. And of course, throughout this Grand Prix race weekend that's coming up, but for the time being, uh, go and enjoy some interviews and we'll speak to you soon. Talk soon. Thanks very much to Simon Crafar. Matt, it's going to be a fine balancing act, I think, when you look at the World Championship coming up and it is short and sharp. There's sort of various ways you can go about this, but we know one thing about Marc Marquez, no matter what the conditions are, he is the boss. He is going to be the man with the target on his back, but he is not going to be holding back in the first race. I mean, people are going to have to get going pretty sharp. But at the same time, if you get injured over the space of the next few weeks, you're in real trouble. Yeah, we mentioned that. I mean, I think Mark almost wanted to come out today and make a bit of a statement because, let's be brutally honest, Steve, he was a little bit fortunate with the lockdown and with the COVID chaos because coming into the season, he was nowhere near fully fit. Mm. He had that problem with the shoulder that, of course, he suffered for the first time here in November at the final corner. The recovery was a lot longer than what he had anticipated. So going into Qatar, had we had that first race as originally scheduled, Mark was on the back foot. But now he's had that four month off to get that shoulder fully healed. Mark is looking super, super strong. He's got an amazing record here as well, Steve. When you look at the stats, he's never been off the podium here in his MotoGP career in Jerez. 175 points he's fought for, and he's taken 151. So this is a great starting point for Mark. But interesting what Simon just said there about Maverick. You know, normally, Steve, over the last two or three years, it's in these hot, slippery, greasy conditions where the Yamaha struggled. But Maverick and Fabio Quattro are right up there. So they might have something with that man we're looking at right now, a fully fit reigning world champion. I think the big question mark with Maverick Vinales, Matt, and it's always been the same, is can he deliver when it comes to actually race day? Now, at the end of last year, we saw quite clearly a major, major step from Yamaha. Quattararo was outstanding all year long, but Maverick Vinales, certainly towards the end of 2019, was really showing potentially what he's got. He's now, of course, just been guaranteed that extra security, if you like, He's going to be remaining the factory Yamaha rider for another two years after this one. But it is time to stand and deliver, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, Yamaha have put a lot of faith in Maverick. Of course, there was a lot of talk and gossip, wasn't there, in the winter about a potential move uh, to Ducati. So Maverick has laid down a marker as well here today. And what better time to speak to the fastest man out of the gate. After four months without any action, Maverick Vinales is quickest here today in Jerez. And we can hear from him talking to Simon. 
at Qatar and here, the last days of testing, you've been incre incredibly fast, like really impressive. How confident are you that you can take that into the race weekend? Yeah, for sure, I'm, I'm very confident because I feel that the bike is working really good and we have a special feeling with the team. And you know, the, the heat was very high today and the bike was working well, which normally we struggle a little bit more. The grip was fantastic on the bike and actually I had no issues and uh, quite happy and confident about the weekend. Maverick, you spoke about the bike. How much better is the new bike from last year's? I have to say that here the last year bike was working very good because we had a lot of turning. But this year I can attack the corners on a different way, especially braking very hard, which will give me a little bit of advantage if I need to overtake. But anyway, still we have time to work to see if we can make the bike turn a little bit more and to make and to hit a better lap times. Thank you. Thank you. Very much to Simon Crayfar. Thanks to Maverick Vinales. Uh, one of the key things about Maverick and, and the change over the last couple of months with him, and certainly at the end of last year, was his approach mentally. He decided to change quite a lot last year, Matt. And yeah. just recently, of course, before we went into lockdown, it was announced that he's going to be the kingpin at Yamaha. Valentino Rossi, of course, no longer a factory rider at the end of this year. How much do you think that's going to change his approach? I mean, that must make him feel pretty special and yeah, even I mean, more confident. Absolutely. I mean, Yamaha have put all their eggs into Maverick's basket. They believe that he's the man to take them forward. Of course, it's not going to get any easier next year because Fabio Quattararo is going to step into the factory team. But, you know, Yamaha were aware that there was big money offers coming in for Maverick from Ducati, and they moved because they felt like he could be a potential future world champion for them. Really interesting to see Maverick talking there because he looked very quietly confident, assuring himself. And, and what bodes really well, like we just mentioned, the fact that in these really, really scorching up conditions, I mean, people were saying today, track temperature was almost up to 60 degrees. Well, that is around the realms of sort of Buriram, uh, Sepang temperatures. Worth noting though, isn't it, Steve? You know, Maverick was absolutely awesome in Malaysia last year in those sort of hot conditions. So it's looking really, really good. You know, I felt personally coming into the, the original season, and I think you did as well, mate, that Maverick was the strongest. If we had have raced in Qatar, I had Maverick nailed down for the race win. And what I like about Maverick as well is he's already shown today, he said this was a strong point of his, he doesn't need any time to recover the feeling or the confidence. When he gets back on the bike, bang, he can just hit the lap times and he's been out there and proved it today. Well, he certainly has. And who was behind him? None other than Fabio Quattararo. It's sort of a similar theme to what we saw a lot of at the end of last year. Equally as impressive. This is a different season though, Matt, for Fabio Quattararo coming up. Last year, he was a rookie. He was absolutely outstanding. So many pole positions, always there. Those epic, memorable battles with Marc Marquez. But this year is different. He's not going to be able to come out of a race and say, well, I'm still a rookie. I'm happy with that. There are greater expectations on the young Frenchman's shoulders. 100%. I mean, Fabio Quattararo is expected, in, albeit a shortened season, to be fighting for the World Championship. Of course, it was right here in Jerez just over a year ago where he really announced yeah. himself on the big stage, becoming the youngest rider in history ever to take a Premier Class pole position. Of course, it was heartache in the race when that gear shifter left him in tears, but Fabio gained so much confidence last year, so he's going to be super, super strong. And why not, let's hear from the Frenchman after such an incredible rookie season in 2019. Well, he started pretty well in 2020, and we can find out what he said to Simon after the first day here in Jerez. Fabio, continuing that incredible form through from last year, in this huge heat, you know, Jerez, on the new bike, 
firstly, how hard is it back on the bike and how good is the new machine? Yeah, honestly, it feels, feels so good to be back because, you know, after such a long time, it's always a pleasure to ride a, a MotoGP bike and it was not easy because the 2020 bike, we don't really ride a lot. With it, we ride with fresh engine today and was was different because the the power delivery was a little bit strange because I'm used to 2019 bike. But finally, we we find a good good setting on the on the bike and we reach quite a good uh, good pace at the end. And uh, honestly, I feel I feel happy because we make a, a small step from last year for for the pace. Regarding. The, you losing the first 20 minutes of FP1, if that is enforced, do you think it will make any difference to your awesome form? Well, first of all, the first thing is that we did a meeting this morning and I told to the team that I, I don't want to know nothing, so I was fully focused on, on what I need and uh, that's it. I even don't know it, so that's it. Uh, just focus for, for the riding and and for the pace for, for Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Thank you, Fabio. Good luck. Thank you. Yeah, thanks again there to Simon. Thanks to Fabio. Stevie Talk from the 21-year-old. Just in case you're wondering what Simon's referring to when it comes to 20 minutes that he'll lose in FP1. Matt, unfortunately, he's been a naughty boy at the start of the 2020 season. He was being caught on his push bike where and when he shouldn't be. Yeah, basically, he went to a test in Paul Ricard. I mean, of course, as soon as the lockdowns were eased around Europe and across the world, the riders straight away were back on two wheels as quickly as they possibly could. Now, unfortunately for Fabio, he rode, well, I guess the word isn't a legal R1. He was invited to attend a, a track day in Paul Ricard, and who would not want to go and race at a great circuit like Paul Ricard? Fabio wanted to go and blow off some cobwebs. Unfortunately, that R1 he was riding did not meet the kind of standard requirements. The riders cannot go out and practice and train on bikes that are similar to World Superbikes or MotoGP bikes. So. Clearly, it's an innocent mistake. He had no intention of breaking the rules and he has appealed, so watch this space. He has got that 20-minute penalty at the start of FP1, but he has appealed and he obviously feels like, by appealing, he's got a pretty strong case to put before the FIA MotoGP stewards. But we have to clarify, Fabio, there was absolutely no intent. He's just been caught out by the rules, which are, you've got to say, they're there for everybody, so they've got to be stuck to. Yeah, they have, and you would imagine that by docking actual minutes from a free practice session in Grand Prix weekend, it's probably a, a better policy than trying to find someone. It is, because, you know, you could argue that the teams with the bigger budgets, well, a fine doesn't really hurt them, whereas 20 minutes of track time, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fairly costly, although having this extra track time today is giving him at least a chance to blow off the cobwebs, get a, a bit rid of a bit of the ring rust and regain his confidence but clearly he feels like he hasn't done anything wrong and he's going to put a, a forward a strong case so we'll have to see what happens if you see Fabio Quattararo sat in the box on Friday morning twiddling his thumbs well you know that the appeal wasn't successful well let's move on now to the rider who of course finished third in today's test the world champion Mark Marquez who was astonishing last year in claiming his eighth world crown 18 podiums from the 19 races that he entered 12 wins it's now 16 victories in the last 25 races. There are people at home, Matt, when this new calendar was announced, saying, oh, this favours Marc Marquez. Well, no matter what calendar you put in front of us, it favours Marc Marquez because he is a genius. It did not take him long at all to get up to speed here, but there's been a lot happening at Repsol Honda in the last few weeks. We're going to have to try and dig through that, but not least, of course, the news that he's going to be joined next year by Paul Espargaro. 
Yeah, some major, major news breaking earlier on this week with uh, Paul Espargo joining Mark Marquez next year. We can actually hear from the reigning world champion after his first day's work in the glorious Andalusian sunshine. Here's what Mark Marquez had to say to Simon a few moments ago. Mark, the last time I saw you, we were in Qatar, and there was some confusion at Honda about uh, the aero, the chassis and that, and you seemed to find the way at the last moment. How confident are you that you have the right bike for the race weekend? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy today. Happy and uh, I can't breathe, you know, because, uh, you know, the precision was really hard uh, about physical condition, but also about technical side. And, uh, and yeah, looks like in the last hour in Qatar test, we find something, but you never know if it's uh, because uh, it's Qatar or if it's real, the problem was real in that, in that part of the bike. But, but yeah, I started here today and from the beginning it was my bike. Uh, it was the bike that, uh, that I ride in 2019 with a kind of evolution. Uh, it was my shoulder again, come back and, uh, and yeah, I was uh, happy. And, and yeah, in FP1 immediately I saw that the speed was there. So uh, I immediately understand that uh, the speed was there, but uh, the consistent was not there. So uh, this afternoon I tried to work more on the, on the other side. Just uh, don't use a lot the tire, try to, to work in a good way, try to, to understand how to be consistent because the, here the, on Sunday will be, will be a long race, 28 laps. And yeah, basically happy to, to come back on the, on the bike. Mark, previous races where there's been very low grip, it seems to play into your hands, you, you manage it well. How important do you think that's going to be race day Sunday in this heat? Will be, will be difficult. I mean, uh, even today I already feel, I mean, it's one kind of track in the first part of the practice and another kind of track, another kind of grip in the second part of the practice because the Michelin rubber is there. Uh, in the second part of the practice. So, uh, so yeah, on the race, uh, normally we start with a very low grip and, uh, and yeah, uh, we need to understand uh, we are on Wednesday. So uh, now on Friday, try to work uh, harder. We have a few new items to try that today, uh, obviously, we didn't have time to, to try everything. And, and yeah, during weekend, try to, to fix or to understand if these new items can, uh, can give something uh, better and, and yeah, uh, try to to fight for the podium because uh, Yamaha riders, Suzuki riders are riding in a very good way. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Champion Mark Marquez there talking to Simon Crafar, uh, talking about the weather. I mean, they're saying it could even be hotter here on Sunday in excess of 60 degrees track temperature, which is <laughs> absolutely absurd. Uh, that interview, Matt, is going to strike fear into the rest of the field. Yeah, the word I would use there, mate, is uh, ominous mm. because he said absolutely delighted with the recovery of the shoulder that's in tip-top condition again and crucially of course as he mentioned the last well before the last hour in Qatar it was a nightmare for Honda they were really really struggling couldn't get the bike to turn in those fast corners but Marquez in those four months off Honda have worked their miracles as always with the bike and he looks like he's really strong he's got the feeling back with the 2019 bike as well so yeah, it looks pretty ominous for the, uh, the opposition at the moment. Just before we came to that interview about Mark, I was just briefly talking about the changes that are going to go on in Repsol Honda. I mean, there was so much talk for weeks and weeks and weeks about this. Paul Espargaro's name popped up and hey presto, it's happened. Paul Espargaro will be teaming up with Mark Marquez. And we'll talk more about Paul's side of that story a little bit later because I'm sure we'll get to Paul and how he's got on today on the KTM. But what about Alex Marquez, Mark's younger brother, of course, who we're now going to switch to? This must be such a, an unusual 
couple of months for, for Alex Marquez. First of all, he's announced as the Repsol Honda teammate to his big brother, the world champion. And OK, it's not all bad. He's going to LCR Honda. He's going to be on factory machinery. But we've not even raced at all in 2020 and he's already out of the seat that he was given at the end of last year it's a really remarkable unique situation there can't be anybody that's been hired to a full factory ride like alex was last november albeit in the in quite dramatic circumstances after the lorenzo retirement to find himself out of that ride without actually racing for one single lap in that team now obviously hrc have got their reasons they need a, a better or they need a wingman for mark you know yeah. mark's going to be Mark's the geese that lays the golden egg, but you need somebody that's going to support him and, and be there week in, week out. And right now, HRC clearly don't feel that that is, that's Alex's job right now, so we'll see what happens. Well, we'll, we'll try and pick the bones out of that um, in a moment, but let's now hear from Alex Marquez and find out how he's got on post-lockdown day one here in Jerez. Alex, you've had your last day testing. Um, before you go racing on the on the Honda, it was brutal conditions, uh, both wind and heat. How was it, and do you feel ready? Well, um, feel ready? I don't know, <laughs> honestly, because in the end, it's two sessions of one, one hour and a half. After four months without the MotoGP bike for a rookie, always is is difficult. I knew before to come here that uh, it will be a tricky day and difficult. But in the end, I, I feel better than what I expect, so this is already positive. Uh, I feel good, especially with used tire. I know with the, with the new one, I need to improve quite a lot, but with use, I was able to, to keep um, not a really good pace, but uh, a good lap times. So, you know, uh, good to have already this base uh, Wednesday to be more clear for the Friday and have already the rhythm to especially for a rookie like me to, to keep going and keep improving uh, lap by lap. It sounds like you feel confident enough with your times for the race. What do you think is going to be the, the, the biggest challenge in, in Sunday's race? Well, biggest challenge is, I think for Sunday's uh, race will be to, to keep the rhythm uh, with these hot conditions that are really tricky and really difficult, you know, for, for everything, really demanding, and especially the track. It's not like Sepango Qatar that you can rest a little bit in some straight. Here you are always uh, working o on the bike, uh, so will be really demanding for, for the riders, but will be tough. We're training hard during this, this month and I feel, I feel ready for my first MotoGP race. Thank you, Alex. Thank you. Thanks to Alex Marquez there, the reigning Moto2 world champion. It's not all doom and gloom, Matt. I mean, this was always going to be difficult for any rookie starting the MotoGP World Championship on a Honda, but let alone uh, having gone through the lockdown. In a way, you can understand this decision when you really yeah. look at it, the way what, what Honda has decided to do, because it sort of takes Alex out of the limelight a bit and allows him just to kind of focus on his work rather than constantly being in the shadow of his older brother, Mark. But you do also have to just wonder what Mark might think of the situation. Well, I think Mark would have been fully informed about the whole thing. Let, let's be honest, he wasn't expecting Alex to be his teammate this year anyway, had it not been such a disaster last year for Jorge Lorenzo. I mean, there's people saying that this will convince Mark that he needs to leave in the future, having just signed a, a four-year contract. I think it's a canny move by HRC because, like you say, in a, in a, in a, and really they're taking Alex out of the firing line because he's going to be constantly compared to what Mark is doing in the same garage on the same bike. Put him in LCR, there's a little bit less pressure, a little bit less stress. It's a great environment, of course, one of the top mm. independent teams. We've seen 
Cal Crutchlow win races and fighting for the poems on a regular basis there. So, you know, and obviously Cal's another story in this whole uh, <laughs> yeah. tangle where because at the moment Cal chasing a ride next year. So, yeah, I think it's going to do Alex the, the power of good because he's going to, it's going to be a, a less stressful and high-pressured environment for him in LCR. Well, sticking with Honda, sticking with LCR, Takanakagami's finished for the day. Let's now catch up with the Japanese rider and see what he made of day one. Nakasan with almost four months off the bike, going straight into that heat with MotoGP bike. How difficult was it? And for your shoulder. Well, uh, first of first of all, I'm pretty happy to back uh, jump on the bike again. Of course, uh, since last time was a Qatar test four months ago, so it was really tough. You know, the, from the straight to like a MotoGP speed, the racing speed, it's not easy to to adapt. But I, this morning, I, I think uh, I took a lot of time to to feel okay. This is the MotoGP, but. Uh, at the end, start to understand, and uh, but still a little struggle to to find the the, the speed, and uh, still I'm not find well in the setup on the bike, and uh, but of course the the, the the situation of the, my shoulder is 100% fit well, and uh, yeah, the last four months I try to uh recovery and of course more training on the right shoulder and uh, now it's okay nothing problem i don't feel uh, any pain so this is most most important thing for the this season because you know from now until the, the end never stop so no rest and try to be uh fit always fit well uh, the physically so but now i want to i want to say that uh, i'm fit well so this is most important things with that temperature this afternoon and the wind, what, what was the most difficult thing for you to manage? Uh, for me, the wind doesn't help a lot. I struggled for the, the turning and the bike is more heavier and uh, the grip is not too bad. Uh, I, you know, when I see the, the, the ground more than 60 degrees, it's not e you know, easy to, to understand, but uh, it was well. Uh, quite, uh, the, the grip is not too bad, and, uh, but you know, this is the first day, just, you know, the half uh, one and a half and one and a half today and so maybe it's gonna be different story for the Friday Saturday Sunday and uh, more rubber on the track so it will be different but anyway the first impression is not too bad on especially uh, on this afternoon that afternoon session and because I'm really worried about the more than 60 degrees but uh, at the end it's not too bad so of course now they one day off uh, tomorrow but uh, Friday start to work again so Try to keep a positive way for the, the weekend and uh, we will be fit well. Thank you. Thank you. Simon talking to uh, Takaki Nakagami there. It's good to see the smile back on his face, Matt, because last year it was looking all so great. That fantastic result that he had over in Mugello in Italy looked like it was just the start of something fantastic. And then, of course, Assen when he got wiped out by Valentino. That had a severe impact on the rest of his season. Valentino did a proper number on Taka, didn't yeah. he, in Aston, because initially he had that real problem with the, the ankle, only able to get on the bike in Germany on crutches, and then latterly in the season it materialised that he'd also got serious shoulder problems, pretty similar to what Marc Marquez struggled with throughout the winter. So, yeah, good to see Taka back fighting fit. Of course, still no official confirmation, no. really, about what Taka's up to next year, although it looks like in this big Honda shake-up with... Polis Bargo in at Repsol Honda, Alex Marquez moving down to LCR. No room at the inn for Cal Crutchlow at LCR, so it looked like Takanaka Garmin will be staying put because, of course, 
East Japanese, which helps with, uh, with HRC. And of course, the team is backed, or that side of the team, is backed by Japanese money as well with Idemitsu. So all the cars looking stacked in favour of Taka to stay where he is. And of course, we just mentioned Cal Crutchlow. We'll come to him at some stage, but one of the teams he is being linked to, in fact, is Aprilia. And we're now going to switch over to the Italian manufacturer, Alessia Spargaro. I mean, how can you not love the guy? He is 100% commitment at all times. And today, once again, showing that this new Aprilia is the real deal. It is mighty fast. And Alessia Spargaro, who loves her F-mat, was fast too, right out of the blocks. The only question mark, and I think me, you, Simon, we're all keeping our fingers crossed that it's not the case, but the reliability of the Aprilia is the only thing hanging in the air at the moment because otherwise they look like they've made a giant step forward. Yeah, if that Aprilia RSGP holds together, Steve, they've got a serious weapon on their hands rolled out of Nawale. Yeah, a little bit of a technical issue actually today for Alexis Spargaro. Uh, dropped a bit of oil on circuit. A couple of crashes actually today as well. Danilo Petrucci, Ducati, we'll hear from him later on. He had quite a tough day. Only did four laps in the afternoon session after a crash at turn 11 through one of the fast right-handers here in Jerez and back to Alex Marquez. He crashed at turn six. Alex was perfectly okay. But from Alex to Aleix, let's hear about a really positive first day on track for Aleix Espargo in Jerez. Here he is with Simon. Aleix, you've been impressive here. I remember all the way back to the Ford Yamaha days, really fast at Jerez. Sounds like you love the bike, it's working. How confident are you that if that engine hangs together, that you can get some impressive points in the race. Yeah, I have many doubts because obviously Malaysia and Qatar were, were very good, but Jerez is always completely different. It's, it's another story, completely different tracks than, uh, than, uh, than Europe. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that these uh, first two sessions, we show that we've been competitive as well. Everybody is very, very close, but uh, I think that the pace, especially we show in the afternoon with uh, at the race time, has been quite, quite strong, strong enough to fight for a top uh, six, top eight. So I'm, I'm happy. Um, unfortunately, we have a couple of problems with the engine. Um, with the same bike, we had uh, two problems morning and afternoon. Um, so we have to work. We have to understand what, what happened, and I hope that they can fix. Um, we have tomorrow to, to work on it, and I hope that for Friday will be, will be solved. What's the most difficult thing to manage in this heat at Jerez? I mean, everything. For me, physically, obviously, it's very demanding. I will say maybe more than Malaysia, but uh, I did uh, my homework and I feel, I feel strong. But the problem is that the, the heat that the, the bike gives to you, to, to especially to my hands, is, is unbelievable. So I, I did no more than seven laps, I think, uh, in a row but the hand was at one million degrees. So also for tomorrow, we have to try to, to, to cover more that, that part of the bike to see if we can cool live in my hands, because uh, if not, the race will be very difficult. Thank you, Aleix. Thank you. Very much to Alicia Spargaro. Sounds pretty confident there ahead of the Spanish Grand Prix. And I mean, if they can, I really hope, because he's had some bad luck over the last few years, if they can sort out reliability, uh, it would be so good to see the smile back on Alicia's face and potentially getting himself through to the top six. A Moto E machine there, just uh, with the horn going off as it's just going past the surface. Like a roadrunner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in any case, I mean, this is looking like a positive step for Aprilia. Bradley Smith also at times today yeah. showing his cards as well. So they've, they've clearly made big, big steps. And if Cal Crutchlow is heading over towards the Italian manufacturer. I mean, it would be even positive for anybody that maybe wants to try and take the seat next to him. You know, Aleix pre-season or the first pre-season was talking big, wasn't he, Steve? He was saying that the bike 
the new RSGP, which I'm told really is a, a radical departure from what Aprilia have done previously. Bradley Smith, I think, said that there are less than 10 pieces on this 2020 Aprilia that are the same as the 2019 bike. So they've been working really hard, burned the midnight oil over in Diwali. But for me, the, the key that Alicia Spigro has got faith in this project that it's going to move forward and, and let him fight for the podium was he signed a new two-year contract very, very recently, Steve. Now, last year, things were so bad at times, Alicia would not have signed on for another session. You know, it was that bad. But here he is. He's seen progress, solid progress, and he thinks that they can fight for the podium. Great to see Alesh stay on that bike for another couple of years because he's worked so hard to put it where it is now. I just hope, fingers crossed, they've got that reliability sorted out because if they have, then they could be a real surprise package in this 13-race championship we've got. Yep, dark horses uh, are Aprilia. Let's now go over to Ducati, and we'll start off with the Aussie Jack Miller. Some important news for him during the lockdown, of course, the news that he will become a factory rider in 2021. And Matt, given that at times last year, his future was also uncertain, this is a massive boost for Jack. The world works in mysterious ways, it does. doesn't it? I mean, you know, it was in the Red Bull ring just over a year ago where those rumours came out that Jack was going to be dumped out of Bramat Ducati and they were going to bring in Jorge Lorenzo to rescue Jorge from his Repsol Honda nightmare. It's so, so funny how the world works. Great news, of course, for Australia and for Jack Miller. Aussies have a pretty decent track record of success when they're on board Ducatis, don't they? I can't think of who you're thinking. <laughs> No, it's, it's an amazing thing for Jack. I think it's a, a real shot in the arm for him heading into the 2020 season as well. Overheard him talking a little bit earlier about how the day went. It sounds like they ran into a few heat issues in the afternoon when they were trying out that Michelin time. I mean, one of the key things that we pointed out last year about Jack was his maturity uh, and, and the way he actually dealt with the races, the race management side of things in the latter half of 2019 was really, really impressive and that can only stand him in good stead. Yeah, he's matured into a top-notch rider. That's why Ducati have picked him to be their factory man next season. Well, let's hear from the Wizard of Oz himself. Let's cross now and hear from Simon Crowfar with Jack Miller himself. Jack, you were fast straight out of the gate this morning and again this afternoon, but your team said you had a few hassles setting-wise to work with the, with the heat. How was it? Yeah, a couple of, uh, you know, just little teething issues. We didn't get to throw a new tyre at it this morning, which was, I mean, it doesn't really matter too much, but it uh, would have been nice. But, uh, no, I mean, uh, struggled a little bit this afternoon with the wind. I think that's going to be one of the things we're going to have to keep an eye on. Um, especially in the Arvo, you know, blew up yesterday. Arvo is blowing up again today, like, quite bad, um, especially in the fast corners, just trying to get uh, contact with the front. is a little bit hard getting the bike to turn. Uh, so that's going to be something we'll have to look at, and uh, if it does look like it's going to do it for the rest of the week, then uh, we may have to change something. Um, but in general, good to be back on the bike. I felt, you know, a little rusty at the start there, but, you know, soon worked that off, and, uh, no... The main focus now is just getting the thing set up for uh, for 25 laps on Sunday. Jack, Harith's not famous for being a Ducati track. Do you think you can change that? I think so. You know, this was the uh, first time riding the, the 2021 bike around the... Uh, sorry, 2020 bike around the... Uh, around the the Jerez track and if I feel a big improvement from the last year's bike already in terms of just how it handles or behaves in high-speed corners and 
and just a, a few little things here and there. So uh, I think we've got a good package, a uh, package that'll be able to fight with the other manufacturers over the weekend. But uh, I think, you know, the biggest thing is just set ourselves up for a, a race of attrition on Sunday. I think, uh, you know, everyone's going to have to, especially with the way the season looks like it's going to play out with quite a short season. Um, you know, we're going to have to, uh, points are going to be important, so just try and take the maximum we can, not do anything too silly in these first couple of races, and, uh, and yeah, bring it home. Thank you, Jack. Cheers, Simon. Thank you. Great to hear uh, Simon there talking to Jack Miller. Uh, two questions here for you regarding with Jack and Ducati, Matt. Number one is, of course, once Jack becomes a, a fully-fledged factory Ducati rider, the expectations will be different. There will be a lot more pressure on his shoulders, but... Question one is, what really can you expect from Jack this year, given he made such a, an impressive show of himself at the end of last year? Where can we expect to see him uh, this year on a regular basis? And the second question is, who is his teammate going to be? Um, two not very easy questions to answer. So, I, I think Jack was... He got the factory ride with the Cativa 2021 based purely on how great he was in the second half of last of the last season championship he was absolutely phenomenal we'll just take a little break uh, from Ducati and jump back to Aprilia we heard what a great day it was for Alicia Spargo well we can cross live or very shortly we'll hope to cross live and speak to his temporary teammate uh, Bradley Smith of course Bradley confirmed at least to be joining Alicia Spargo for this double header in the Jerez there he is he's popped up on screens right now so Simon Crowfire live with Britain's Bradley Smith over to you guys Bradley, what's it like to be a MotoGP racer again? Yes, uh, it's nice to be back, honestly. Um, I, it's a whole new appreciation, I think. Um, one, because of, of the obviously the, the COVID and everything and sitting at home for so many months. But then also all those memories of last year watching from my sofa, wishing that I was out there and wishing I was here. So it's uh, it's nice to be part of the, the factory effort. And uh, yeah, the moment is just going to be for, for these two races. And then let's see what happens, uh, you know, moving, moving forward. But taking the opportunity here in Jerez and uh, enjoying myself so far. Brad, how difficult is it in this heat everyone's talking about? But also, what are you working on to improve on the Aprilia for this weekend? Yeah, obviously those hotter conditions showed up a, a few weaknesses and I was struggling a little bit there um, with a bit of understeer. Um, kind of maybe setting up the bike not necessarily in the, the best way. So uh, that was the, the main aim for, for this afternoon. Also tried to get a little bit of long run um, in just for the guys to kind of check all the temperatures and you know all the parameters because these are temperatures that we've never really raced in before uh, i mean we test in them occasionally with with sepang etc etc but we've certainly never put the rsgp 2020 through anything like this so um learning as much as possible gathering as much data as we can this afternoon and then any kind of protocols that we need to put in place ready for the weekend um, we, we will do but uh, so far we're within our parameters so the guys are happy thank you Brad cheers thanks very much to uh, Brad Smith there uh, good to see him here he won't need any help getting himself around this red circuit of course he was a demon round here 
back on the 125, what, about a decade ago. Just quickly before, we're going to have lots of live interviews coming here and we don't actually know who they're going to be and when. So this is going to go all over the place. But let's get the Jack Miller thing cleared up for, first, Matt. Yeah, I think Jack's going to be looking to uh, be inside that top five in the championship. Maybe try and get a, a dry race victory on the Duke. Certainly establish himself more as a podium contender this year and about his teammate next season. Well, that's a real conundrum. We know Danilo Petrucci's out. That's why Jack Miller is in. Petrucci, of course, off to KTM to uh, re effectively replace Paul Espargo, although he's not going into the, the factory team. <laughs> Hopefully he's still with us. Uh, and where does this, of course, leave the man who's been Mark Marquez's closest challenger over the last three years, Andrea De Vizioso? Well, that is still a big, big question mark for the 2021 grid because at the moment, as we sit here right now, basking in the glorious Andalusian sunshine, Desmo Dovi has not got a contract signed and it seems like everybody's playing a little bit of hardball. Ducati, we understand, have offered him a significant reduction in money and Andreas basically said, OK, well, I'll call you bluff and, and even threaten, believe it or not, to take a sabbatical, take a year off, which seems really, really strange. But that one's still to play out. Personally speaking, I can't see Dovi going anywhere. I think he'll be Jack Miller's teammate next season. Well, it certainly would make sense, wouldn't it, uh, for all parties concerned. But then I suppose Dovi can play hardball because who else is actually on the market? That's the big question. Anyway, as Matt just mentioned, one of the riders leaving uh, Ducati is, of course, Danilo Petrucci. He's going over to join Hervé Poncherel, but for now, he's staying with Ducati. He's got 13 races coming up. Let's see the smiley Italian now and see what he's got to say. We're going to cross over live to him any second. Yep, here he is, big old Danilo, ready to chat to Simon. Danilo, only four laps into that second session, you ended up in the gravel. I understand it wasn't your fault um, and you've injured your neck. Are you going to be okay for race weekend? Yeah, I hope so. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I crashed really hard at uh, turn 11, uh, more than 150 kilometers per hour. And when I was, I was a uh, low side. Uh, I, 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 I saw Alej, Alej Spargo's bike uh, with some smoke, but I saw him continue to, to ride. So I think, okay, it's not bad. I was on a very good lap. But then I arrived at turn 11, I lost the front. When I start to, to, to crash, I start to, to thumb and thumb, and when maybe two or three times I hit the, the, the head and the neck. And uh, when I was trying to, to stand up, I saw all sparks and lights in, uh, in my eyes, and the same, it's not, not really nice. So with, uh, with the doctor, we decided to, to quit the session. And uh, yeah, I hope the, the neck this uh, this night. Uh, not I hope not not gonna hurt. But uh, yeah, uh, unfortunately, it was the most important session this morning. We decide to do all the session with one tire, so we we were even happy about the the pace. But this afternoon, yeah, this this big crash. I hope for for tomorrow to be to be fit and not uh, not not uh, hurting too much. I spoke to your team manager Davide, and he told me that uh, both of uh, his riders, you and uh, Andrea, were planning to work on the getting the most from that new rear tire, you know, new settings. And it sounds like you missed out on that. Um, did the team find something you think you're going to be okay for race weekend? Yeah, we had some plan. Uh, we the, the plan was to do, to do 
just a pair of moves on the bike because this morning we had quite clear ideas about the feeling with the bike so we we are positive about the the weekend our pace is not bad even if we look if we look at the lap times are not good but uh, we didn't change any tires so this afternoon we supposed to to put a, a soft tire at the end but uh, the important is to keep the pace because the the track is completely different between the morning and the afternoon in the afternoon it's really hot difficult to stop the bike difficult to find the traction so yeah the the race will be will be a surprise for everyone especially with this with, with this weather uh, the first two or three laps behind some other riders was like having an eye, <laughs> eye dryer on, on the face it's unbelievable thank you Danilo good luck thank you yeah, that's a real shame for Danilo, uh, a man who, who really wanted some confidence, I would imagine. He was certainly lacking in it in the, the latter stages of 2019, Matt. Davizioso has arrived here recovering from a collarbone injury. It sounds like Danilo's got a pain in the neck now as well, just when perhaps the pressure was relieved from him because he's got his, his future secure as well. But it's sounding like it's going to be a, a bit of a drag this weekend for the Ducati team. It, re it really does, yeah. I mean, that, that's the last thing that Danilo Petrucci wanted to happen, coming back refreshed after a four-month layoff, really eager to try and show Ducati that they made a mistake letting him go. And that's a huge crash, you know, 150 kilometers an hour, turn 11 through one of those fast right hands at the end of the lap here in Jerez. That is a nasty, nasty crash. Good to see Danilo not more seriously injured. But yeah, a pain in the neck to start off with. I'm trying to carry on this with a Sam Lowe's in the background there, pulling faces, and you might have just heard a little woohoo from Sam there. Good day for him in the Moto2 session. Uh, but yeah, with Dovi injured, uh, and with Petrucci injured as well, Steve, and the Ducati, a real handful around this circuit as well. It's not going to be an easy weekend for the factory boys from Bologna. No, it's not. Let's now move over to another manufacturer, and we'll go back to Suzuki now. Suzuki, who were in tremendous form during the winter test. They really have taken massive steps forward in the last couple of years, and I would imagine they've probably been sitting back during the winter, and certainly during the lockdown, with their feet up a bit, because, of course, they've retained Alex Rins and Juan Mir. There's no twisting going on over at Suzuki. Uh, and everything looks like it's going pretty well. This new Michelin seems to suit the Suzuki as well. Both Alex Rins and Juan Mir are looking really, really good. Well, when they both left Qatar, Steve, they told Simon Crayfire and the world's media they were ready to go. If the race had gone ahead in Qatar, both of them, certainly Alex Rins was very, very confident that they were going to be fighting for the podium. Critically here, I think, Suzuki are going to be real potent contenders because that GSX-RR, we know, Steve, from history, it's very sweet, very gentle on tyres. So when the grip's low and when the tyres are going to get pretty slick and greasy, that's when the Suzuki, certainly in those crucial last five or six laps, does tend to come into its own. So I expect, actually, to see Alex Rins and Juan Mir fighting really strong for the podium, the pair of them. Rins probably going to be stronger in terms of the race challenge for the victory, but I expect Mir, with a year experience under his belt, to really have come on song. And I think he's going to be there fighting at a lot of circuits this year. Yeah, well, let's not forget, he himself was still recovering from injury last year after what happened in Brno. Uh, but in any case, Juan Mir, a couple of times today, I saw him from up in the media centre. He looked really, really good. Let's now catch up then with last year's Spanish rookie, the Suzuki rider, and find out what Juan Mir's got to say. Okay. Juan, very difficult conditions today. Huge heat, winds, but you were fast. Do you feel like you're really figuring this class out? Uh, yes, the truth is that uh, I, I enjoyed today. I enjoyed. 
it's uh, really nice to jump uh, on the bike again. Uh, everything happens so fast with this bike. Nothing that we can train uh, seems to that. But uh, but anyway, I'm I'm happy straight away. Uh, I was fast today. Uh, I felt better in the morning with with uh, more fresh temperature. Uh, then uh, in the afternoon, I struggled a little bit with a medium tire. I was not. Uh, on the right lap times, I was struggling a little bit with the bike. But then we came back again and I was fast again. Uh, so, uh, so really happy, really positive day. Uh, we know what we need to, to be fast. And this is the most important thing for Friday, to start uh, pushing from the first lap. Can you tell us what you need to be fast for this race weekend? And what do you think you can achieve? Well, I think that we have a, a still of, uh, a bit ma of margin to on the brakes uh, to to be a little bit uh, to brake a bit harder. Now today uh, I was uh, on the bottom all, all time and uh, and when we realized that I was was a bit a bit late, but it's a it's a thing that we we have to work on. So uh, let's continue improving like like that and uh, also the the, the soft tire. Uh, is uh, I feel really good also for uh, to make a, a race distance. Thank you, Juan. Thank you. There you go then, Juan Mir looking for a little bit of improvement under braking. Uh, well, he certainly had an issue with that here this time last year. Do you remember, Matt, when he looked down at his lap time screen going across the line? A bit of a schoolboy rookie error. And he went sailing through to turn one and missed his braking point completely. I mean, that could have been catastrophic. In any case, a very confident sounding Juan Mir. A lot of people when Juan first came into the MotoGP World Championship said, guys, bide your time, wait, because this guy is seriously fast. He will challenge four race victories. And I think most of us, I'll put my hand up myself and say, in, in the beginning, I wasn't quite so sure, but now he really is going along like a steam train. Last year, Steve, Mir had really kicked, clicked into gear around that time of Bruno when he had that horrendous crash in the post-race test on Monday. And that just really, really blunted all that progress. I think if he hadn't got injured, he may well have had a couple of podiums in the second half of the season because it came at the worst possible time. He was really getting to grips with what he needed to get the best out of the Suzuki. What I'm going to be interested to see with Mir this year is, I mean, we know he's really, really ragged. I mean, we used to love watching him wrestle that Moto3 bike around, didn't we, back in the day, Steve? But some people said he was perhaps a bit too rough, a bit too aggressive with the Suzuki. Alex Rinder's got that real silky smooth, almost like ballerina style. You know, it's really, really pleasing on the eye. And Joan Mir, I think, has worked in the winter and certainly in this break on trying to mimic as much as he can Alex Rinder. And that's going to be hard. You know, his, his habit is to really wring the neck. But he would have looked at Data, he would have looked at Alex Rinder and thought, well, if Alex could make it work, well, maybe I can as well. Well, we've got another live interview coming up. We were wondering uh, how it got on for Andrea De Vizioso, the three-time runner-up in the last three seasons. Let's cross over live now and catch the words of the Italian. Andrea, it looked like you took it easy in the first session. I imagine how you felt with the, the, the fresh break of your collarbone. But second no. session was really impressive. Yes, yes. I mean, uh, about my physical condition, I'm pretty good. Uh, yes, you know, I'm not, uh, uh, I have to think about and we prepare in a good way, but the work we did in the last two weeks uh, with my people was amazing. So I don't have any problems about the collarbone, I just have a problem uh, about what I feel with the ladder, but it's not too bad. Pretty happy about that and happy to make a test before the race weekend because uh, 
uh, after uh, four months and um, a lot of work to do what we if, if we didn't make the test uh, we have to do all this work uh, during the weekend and we can lose a lot of time so pretty happy uh, the speed is not there but not too far we have still we have a big margin I think because the tire is different and that affects a lot uh, every bikes and maybe some bikes uh, takes less, less work to, to, to adapt to that tire but our bike uh, still we are not happy 100% so let's see during the weekend what we can we will make that was my next question um, your team manager told me that you planned the second session today to try some settings that they had uh, dreamed up in the factory yeah. during lockdown did anything work well um, every setup uh, is always uh, important uh, the important thing is to understand the different uh, positive or negative is always important and uh, I'm pretty happy we didn't make uh, everything we couldn't make everything because it's normal uh, and the heat I mean the situation was quite difficult for everybody but uh, we did a lot of work uh, fortunately we have tomorrow to study and with engineer and try to be ready for the weekend. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you. Andrea Davizioso, uh, you'd think that Ducati and him would want to try and get this deal sorted sooner rather than later so they can try and focus on 2020. But just talking about the here and now, Dovi and Jerez, it's not really been a love story. Uh, there was one weekend, of course, a few years ago where it looked like he might go on to take a, a great podium until that incident over at the dry sack corner with Lorenzo and Danny Pedrosa. But Usually speaking, Matt, Dovi is not on pace here in Jerez, and you almost think that with, there's a swimming pool, I mean, I think we might need to jump in that <laughs> after this. That looks absolutely glorious. Uh, it is baking hot down here in the paddock, by the way. But yeah, sticking with Dovi, with Bruno and Austria, two races in Austria coming up really, really quickly. We know Dovi loves that place. We know that Ducati does as well. You almost get the feeling this is damage limitation at rounds one and two. Yeah, I mean, Dobby would not be excited about a double header here in Jerez. I love that. You know, we've got so much multi-million pound technology awash in this pit lane. And then some of the most essential items of the whole day are two five euro paddling pools that they probably got from a local supermarket. Brilliant. But yeah, you know, Davizioso, he hates this place. You know, he's never had a podium. The only circuit on the MotoGP calendar where he's never been on the podium. Ducati are winless here since 2006. A real bogey circuit for both. Not the place where they would have wanted 2020 to be getting underway at all. No, well, we'll have to see how it all pans out. I believe we're going to be crossing over to catch up with Cal Crutchlow shortly. And, well, it's been a most peculiar 12 months, really, for Cal, of course. At the start of last year, recovering from injury, then getting himself back up to speed pretty quickly. End of last year as well, really good. Let's not forget second place over at Phillip Island. But then, during the lockdown, Matt, Cal Crutchlow, given the news that he is no longer part of Honda's plans. Now, there was a lot of talk last year. The word retirement kept on coming up with Cal Crutchlow, but it seems like he's kind of had a bit of a change of heart with, in regards to whether or not he wants to stop racing. Yeah, I read an interview this week with Cal where he said, basically, I feel as fast as ever. You know, the last time he finished a race was in Phillip Island and he finished a very close second to Mark Marquez. So, you know, Cal still feels like he's got plenty to offer this championship. I think a lot of people might be surprised that he's had to make way in LCR Honda, but of course, there's been a big shuffling of the pack there with Alex Marquez moving out of HRC. It looks like, at the moment, Cal 
may find salvation in Aprilia, which will be a pretty exciting lineup. A good time to get on the factory Aprilia. Uh, and Cal thinks he's still got a lot to offer. Of course, he brings a lot of experience. He brings Honda, Yamaha, and Ducati experience to Aprilia. That would be a pretty exciting lineup for uh, next year. Cal Cutch on a laser Spargo on the factory Aprilia. Let's find out about how Cal's day, though, on a Honda went because he had a little chat with Simon earlier on this afternoon. Carl, you were fast straight out of the gate this morning. What was it like getting back on the bike in that heat after almost four months? Well, yeah, first of all, it has been four months for me because uh, <clears throat> I haven't ridden a bike in, uh, since the last time we, we rode in Qatar, so it was nice to get back on. Uh, I had a bit of a shock to the system the first run and the first laps, but enjoyable. Great to be back with the team, uh, working hard and looking forward to this weekend here in Jerez. What do you think is going to be the most difficult thing to manage with this heat at this circuit on your machine this weekend? Uh, I think our bike in the heat with the with the tyres is diff really difficult to turn in the moment. It seems so. We need to to progress and and, and work on that. We tried in the FP2 there. Uh, we did some some different style runs. We tried the bike up and down a little bit just to see if we could improve that. But my feeling was the same. But we have some. Uh, we have some good options for the race weekend, I think, that we can, we can do more. You know, obviously, we only had two hours in between the two sessions, um, and we didn't want to do too much. But it was nice to get back, finally get back on the bike, get up to some speed, and, uh, and know that I can still ride a motorcycle again. Thank you, Cal. Cheers. Very much to, to Cal Crutchlow there speaking to Simon. You know what? It is astonishing, Matt. When you think every single rider in this paddock, bar none, has been out on a motorcycle of some description in the last four months, whether it's... A mini bike, a dirt bike, a motocross bike, out on circuits, track bikes. Cal Crutchlow, of course, we know is such a keen cyclist and that's all he's been doing. He has not been on a, a motorcycle of any description for four months and he comes out of the blocks and he was half a second slower than Marc Marquez, like within laps. I mean, that is just unbelievable. Cal's just so unique in that aspect, isn't he, where, you know, he does not touch any kind of motorised two-wheel transport at all in the four-month layoff and it's astonishing that you can just immediately find the rhythm blow off those cobwebs it sounds like they're unfortunately still got a few issues with the turning of that honda but cal's talked about this before in the past you know sometimes when he's had the off season between valencia and the, the first test in sepang he says there's nothing really that i like doing on two wheels outside of MotoGP that really floats my boat as much as cycling. He's not interested in motocross. He's not interested in dirt tracks. So he says, why would I bother, why bother wasting my time doing something that I don't really enjoy? He says, I get, I get my adrenaline kicks. I get the buzz out of riding a MotoGP bike. So you can't really argue them. When he turns up and does what he's done today, I'm really intrigued, actually, to see what's going to happen with Cal because, obviously, at the moment, you know, he's got this potential Aprilia deal. That's all dependent on what happens with Andre Iannone, of course. His appeal against the doping ban should be heard fairly, fairly soon. Cal has got an option to go to Honda's World Superbike team and potentially partner Aldera Bautista next year. So he's got options, but I think most people would love to see Cal stay in this paddock because I think he's got unfinished business. I do as well. There's a few more don't don't me's <laughs> left in Cal as yet, and we certainly hope that he's around for a bit longer as yet. Let's now just switch uh, over to KTM, of course. An up and down season for them last year. At times high, sometimes low. None more so than Miguel Oliveira, Matt. He really went through the pain, did Miguel. Of course, he got himself injured over at Phillip Island in that horrendous crash and hasn't raced since. Let's now find out what the Portuguese rider made of the first day here in Jerez. 
Miguel, what was it like getting back on a MotoGP bike today in those temperatures? Uh, you know, it was, was a nice, uh, not first, but was a nice uh, contact uh, with all the grid uh, together. It uh, was for sure a challenging uh, day for everyone because of the hot conditions. But um, yeah, I, I think the tires we have are quite uh, quite okay for the conditions we uh, we are going to to face the rest of the weekend and next race as well. Looks like so uh, we will just need to um, to adapt as quick as possible and make the the adjustments we need to make for Friday. But it's just nice to have this kind of uh, FP zero because uh, you know the mechanics. Some of them haven't touched the bike since a long time, so also for them it's quite nice to you know get this introduction and just make the you know just the teamwork um, all fluid again so last time the MotoGP bikes were on track I noticed pole had a different chassis and now all of the KTM bikes look the same yeah um, is that chassis an improvement if so in what area well uh, we we tested quite a few frames on the on the off season and uh, at the end in Qatar, we had some uh, we had some different frames to test. Finally, to to make a little bit of time, some of us tested different things. And then during this uh, this period of time, we were just able to build material for everyone, all the same. And I think it's it's good because we can then give the information about the same bike and go uh, and, and build up uh, from from there. Thank you, Miguel. Thank you. To Miguel Oliveira, who of course is going full factory and joins up with his old buddy Brad Binder again for uh, 2021. That's a nice little tale. A similar story, uh, Matt, for Miguel Oliveira as there was for a number of other riders last year, in that he was going really, really well until that injury. In fact, we'll come back to that in a moment because sticking with KTM, we can now hear some words from their key rider, Polis Bargaro. Sorry, Paul. Um, just inside the top ten today, but you always pull something special out on race weekend. I'm curious, what area do you want to improve the bike for that? Yeah, today I think we we've been we've been okay. Um, still missing something in one lap. Um, we were working during all the preseason uh, a lot on the race pace because it's where uh, at the end you gain the points. But you need to a uh, fast lap, and it's uh, what. For example, Ducati is, you know, very good. Uh, they get one super lap and and then for sure you, you struggle a little at the beginning of the race and to get back to the top positions is very difficult. So, you know, we are pleased with the race space, but we need to, to check what's, what we need else to, to be a little bit more and higher on the, class, on the stands to, to make a good start and to, to enjoy a little bit the race of Sunday. And the temperature, what's the hardest thing to deal with? Yeah, I mean, at the end, the tyres are suffering quite a lot. I have to say that uh, uh, the Michelin tyres are working pretty well with quite a lot of laps on the tyres, so this is, this is nice. They, they resist this hot, which is very, very important. But uh, for sure, the spinning is there. The track is around 65 degrees uh, when we are racing in the midday, and this for sure is making a lot of spin and a lot of um, soft movements on the bike, which I always... I'm not comfort on, on, on these kind of, of problems, but, but anyway, at the end, we, we need to work. It's just the first day and still three days ahead. Thank you, Paul, and good luck. Thank you very much.
Thanks very much to uh, Paul Espargaro. We were talking about Miguel Oliveira and Paul Espargaro, so we might as well try and uh, knit the two together because, of course, Miguel's taking Paul's place. It's sort of bittersweet at the moment for KTM in many ways. They're bringing on experience in Danilo Petrucci. They've got two excellent young talents and prospects in Brad Binder and Miguel Oliveira, but what a blow to lose that man, Paul Espargaro. Massive blow, Steve. He's been there right from the start in 2017. He's been such a, a key influential figure in developing that RC16 into a bike that looks like on paper so far this year it could actually be fighting on a regular basis for the top six. So it's a, a huge blow for KTM. They would not have wanted to have let Paul go. He was their key asset. I think Paul himself, although he hasn't talked publicly about this dream move alongside his career-long rival, Mark Marquez, in HRC, it's worth noting those two have been racing each other in Spain since before they were 10 years old. They know each other better than the backs of their own hands, but I think there was only one team in the paddock that Paul would have left KTM for. You know, he loves it there. He loves the management. He loves the way they work. He certainly loves his team, uh, led by, of course, Paul Trevathan. I think there was only Repsol Honda that could entice Paul away. You know, it's almost like that, the, the mythical name, isn't it? Repsol Honda. He, he couldn't say no, and I think if it wasn't for them, he'd have been staying put with Red Bull KTM. I suppose the flip side is, you know, we, we've got a rider like Paul who's so, such your number one, such your key asset. Why, I don't know why KTM left it perhaps so late. You know, look at, look at Yamaha, for example. They knew that there were people sniffing around Fabio Quattararo and Maverick Vinales. They jumped, they got their guy signed January, February. Mark has, HRC never really let Mark get into any serious negotiation with everybody else because they snap him up. Um, in January or February time. Now, I'm not sure what happened. I don't know when the approach came from Honda for Polisbargo, but, you know, if he is your number one asset, your key man, you've got to try and make that move early. Did they just rest on their laurels thinking, well, he's going to stay with us. He loves it here. Nobody's going to come in for him because it's going to be a big, big miss. I'm not saying that Petrucci's not going to be able to step in and fill his shoes, but it's a big ask because Paul has been the talisman for KTM right from the start. Well, I suppose that... What you say is absolutely true, Matt. When you really look back at last year, Paul was so, so happy with the progress being made at KTM. Even in winter testing, he seemed to allude to the fact that he believed that there were going to be potential podiums on the cards for this season as well. But when it is Repsol Honda, I mean, it's yeah. the dream for Paul Espargaro. And on that, I mean, what can we realistically expect Paul Espargaro to do on the Repsol Honda? I know that you've written a piece during lockdown about the prospect. I mean, he is a little bullfighter, Paul, and yeah. that Honda needs to be ridden in such a way, and there is genuine chance here for him to be able to get some podiums. Yeah, he's looked at it and thought, maybe I can uh, can fight with Mark. We'll cross back to Ducati, because you can see on your screens there, we've got Pekko Bagnaia, Pramit Ducati rider, live, ready to talk to Simon Crafer. Pekko, really impressive afternoon, sixth position in that really high heat. It looked like you and Jack did the opposite. Jack was fast this morning, struggled in the afternoon. You weren't so fast this morning, really fast in the afternoon where the race is. How do you feel? I'm feeling good. Uh, it was very important to, to um, make quicker, uh, to have the same feeling of uh, February in uh, Qatar. So we worked uh, well, I think, because this morning we have not touched nothing uh, on the bike. For, uh, for taking uh, more, uh, more feeling uh, from the bike. And uh, this afternoon uh, we have moved something, but very little, to, to adapt better uh, the, the braking in this, uh, in this track. And uh, in the last, uh, last session I made, the, um, in the last uh, three, four laps, uh, my best lap time with few starts. So this is very important for the race, for the qualifying, because the, 
uh, is uh, this is the um, race hour, so uh, it's very important, and uh, I'm very happy about today. What areas would you like to improve for race weekend? We need to work more on uh, on the braking uh, because now I'm I'm very strong on the braking, but. Uh, uh, the problem is that uh, it's very difficult to stop the bike because the grip maybe today was less or uh, for the conditions and uh, we had to work on this direction because uh, if you push a lot you started have a, a little bit of problem with the front lock so it's very important to, to set this thing and the other thing is to, to turn more on the, on the fast corner but uh, we are very close already on, uh, on an ideal uh, setup uh, I have just to make more laps Thank you, Peko. Thank you. Yeah, thanks uh, very much to uh, Peko Banyaya. Uh, if you can hear some funny noises at the moment, then we apologise. We've got a bin lorry, literally, that has parked <laughs> up right next to our set here. Uh, in fact, it's now about to drive past, but luckily we've got some footage here of uh, Peko Banyaya. You know, the longer this goes on in terms of the factory ride being available, the longer the negotiations take for Dovi and Ducati. There is a very, very small window of opportunity here for Pekka. I mean, if he could come out all guns blazing here, because he, much like Franco Morbidelli, is not a rider who just goes out, grabs the ball by the horns and gets fast straight away. He needs time to build, and he was building at the end of last year. There is a little opportunity here, perhaps, for, for Pekko. Yeah, there is, because, I mean, the vibes coming out of the Catty, Steve, are that potentially they're going to wait until this doubleheader in Jerez, and then after Bruno and the two races in the Red Bull ring, where we know, of course, the Catty is so formidable. That's where, after those first five races, the Catty are going to start making some key decisions. I think it's a long shot for Pecco to get into the factory team, although what does happen if Andrea De Vizioso does take the real uh, unusual route of taking the, the, the year out? I can't see... I mean, there's nothing at the moment that says Pecco Bagnaia is actually staying at the Catty. No, that is true. I think a lot of people last year in the Catty were... A little bit underwhelmed by his performances. There were a few flashes of brilliance. He had that great top six in Phillip Island in Australia. But Pecco's got to start delivering uh, in a big way. I mean, I think, you know, we know that Jorge Martin's coming into Pramac Ducati, but will Pecco still be there? I can't see Ducati gambling on two rookies, but who knows? They too tend to do things differently in Bologna they at times. Do. I just have to say as well, this, this talk of sabbatical, I, I'm, I'm almost astonished. Well, I can't I see mean, how, how, is it, how can a 34-year-old rider in MotoGP take a sabbatical? Well, the thing is, as well is, I mean, if you look at everybody that's signing contracts right now, they are two-year contracts. So what rides are available mm. at the end of 2021 for 2022 if he does decide to sit it out? I mean, I think it's, it's Andrea and his manager, Simone Battistella, trying to call the Cathy's bluff a little bit. But, you know, I, I think it's all going to sort itself out. I mean, obviously, at the moment, they can't make the numbers match. So well, that's, that's the problem. I know that there's a lot of people at home that have been waiting for this one. Of course, as you can see on your screen right now, Valentino Rossi is ready to uh, have an interview with Simon Crayfire. We'll cross there now. Valentino, you came out of the gate really fast this morning, first session. It looked like this afternoon's session wasn't so easy. Yes, uh, this morning I, I feel better. I was, I was faster uh, and I did a good lap at the end with, uh, for the time attack. Uh, in the afternoon we try something different but looks like that with more temperature I suffer a bit uh, more and uh, especially my race pace is not, uh, is not fantastic so, so we, have, uh, we have to work. Okay. When you say work, what areas would you like to improve? Balance of the bike, we are not, uh, we are not uh, fantastic, I don't, like, I don't like a lot and, uh, and after, uh, as always, the key will be the tyres. 
front tire, rear tire, you have a minimum two options and it uh, depends very much from the temperature, the feeling, uh, so we need, uh, we need some more lap for understanding. Thank you, Valley. Thank you. Thank very much to Valentino Rossi then. Yeah, he did go very quick uh, this morning. It was great to see the 41-year-old old boy. And, and, and all fingers pointing towards Matt, the doctor continuing on into 2021 at the moment. Certainly are. Yeah, we know he's out, of course, of the factory Yamaha team. That place going to Fabio Quattaro, but it's all pointing towards an imminent announcement. Some people felt it was going to be coming this week, that he will be going to the Petronas Yamaha SRT team. It looks like that deal is done and dusted. It is all about the final paperwork. That's going to be officially announced, possibly in Brno or at the Red Bull Ring. And of course, it will be the master and the, uh, the apprentice, Franco Morbidelli, confirmed that Petronas Yamaha SRT for another couple of years. Slightly worrying if you are a fan of the evergreen doctor there, because it sounds like it's the age-old problem for Rossi. When the temperature starts soaring, it's going to be um, a problem, because, you know, hot conditions in the past, low grip, that's when Rossi has really, really suffered. So they'll be hoping to make some breakthrough because like you said earlier on, Steve, it looks like the Mercury's gonna continue rising this weekend. It's gonna be a scorcher on Sunday and that won't help Rossi. Well, surely the Rossi fans will be hoping as we are that there's a little bit of magic still left in that trick box. If you at home, by the way, fancy yourself as someone that might be able to predict the future, why not have a go on the MotoGP Fantasy League, by the way, that's new, it's ready to go. We are racing, of course, Round one here. Now, if you go on to MotoGP.com or Fantasy.MotoGP.com or on the MotoGP app, you can pick your own team. You can pick four riders. And at the end, there's some brilliant prizes to win as well. It's free to enter. You could win a signed Marc Marquez helmet. There's lots, lots more as well. We're going to have a go. It's going to get quite competitive. Yep. Off back to the hotel to dust off the crystal ball tonight. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that, that is literally all we've got time for. As you can see here, the protocols in place, everything getting cleaned up, ready for the start of the weekend, because tomorrow, Thursday, is press conference day, and it is actually officially the start of a Grand Prix weekend, and I, Matt, am so, so excited about that. Yeah, we've been waiting, well, I think on Sunday, it would have been 245 long days since the MotoGP boys certainly were in action at the Ricardo Tormo circuit in Valencia. It's been a long wait, but I'm sure it will be worth the wait. Well, that is all we've got time for here in After the Flag. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're going to be back in the commentary box all weekend. The team are here. We're ready to go. Stay tuned, stay safe, and enjoy the action. MotoGP is back.